Happy Sunday to you. I'm excited to be here with you all today, and I hope that you share that sentiment. Today we're kicking off a brand new series that I've decided to call All the Feels. All the Feels. I need your help today. Could you turn to somebody and tell them, I feel it. I feel it. Just, just. And if you don't, just, just say that you do, and you'll feel it in a moment. Hopefully you will. Well, maybe you've heard that expression before. Maybe you've said it yourself. Whether or not you have used this precise language, you have no doubt experienced what it describes at one time or another. Dictionary.com defines it as an overwhelming emotional reaction. An overwhelming emotional reaction. You hear a song or a story, you see a picture. You watch a video and it hits. Something connects with you on a deep level, moving you, evoking a response. In that moment, you get all the feels. You know what that's like? It goes without saying that emotions are powerful things. Emotions are incredibly powerful. They have a huge impact on our day-to-day lives. And like that definition states, what we feel can can absolutely be overwhelming at times. Sometimes it can be confusing. We're not sure exactly what to make of it. In our house with our kids, we talk about having big feelings. If you've ever raised kids, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. They have some some big feelings. But the truth is we do too. Maybe sometimes you'd ask the questions, "What, what do I do with this? I, I, I don't know how this fits. How do I handle that? If, if you've ever asked any of those questions, and I suspect that all of us have, then this series is for you. Church, the truth is this. God wants us to be emotionally healthy people. He wants us to be emotionally healthy people. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to flourish, and part of that is in what we feel. So throughout this series, we're going to explore the user manual to cultivate a proper perspective that helps us navigate the feels. Today at the outset, we're going to frame out an overview on the topic, give us kind of a big picture of it, and then in coming weeks, we're going to focus in and unpack some specific emotions and how God tells us to handle those. Does that sound like a plan to you? Okay, I got the same response in the first crowd. It sounds like a plan to me, okay? Well, with that preface, let's step into the scriptures together. If you have a Bible or Bible app at the ready, would you meet me in the book of 2 Peter? 2 Peter. It's located in the second part of the Bible, the second half, what we call the New Testament. Near the end, you will find it between 1 Peter and 1 John. Second Peter was written by, anybody want to venture a guess? Yeah, our old pal Peter. This is the same guy who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, who later after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus back into heaven, became an apostle, one who is sent and who led the early church along with the other apostles. In that latter role, he wrote this letter along with the first letter that bears his name, 
to provide guidance to those who, like him, choose to follow Jesus. Here's some insight for you. Here's some direction for you to guide you on your faith journey. So let's take a look at what he has to say here, starting in the opening chapter with verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, says this, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So in this culture, they do letters just a little bit differently. They sign their name at the front end, which I think is probably a good idea because if you're reading the thing and you don't know who it's from, it makes a lot more sense if you know. So he puts his name up front. Grace and peace be yours in abundance, not just a little bit, abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. That is a big statement. We are participants participants in the divine nature in who God is. We're called to be like him. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to stop right there. Peter's given us a map. This is how you can thrive in your faith. This is how you can win at your faith. Follow this this plan right here. Follow these blueprints. Now, there's a lot that we could unpack. For now, allow me to share with you some observations pertaining to the topic at hand. And we'll start with this. We live from the inside out. You, I, everybody you will ever meet, whether they are a believer, a follower of Jesus or not, lives from the inside out. There's a proverb that advises us to guard our heart because out of it comes our entire life. Out of it flows everything that we do. Jesus talks about this too. He says that that a person brings out of them what is stored up inside of them. Here we find the same truth expressed in Peter's words. He tells us that our goal is a godly life. That's the aim. Living within the framework, the parameters of God's desires and God's design. That's where we thrive, church. That is where we live life to the full, life that is abundant. Now, unpacking that word just a little bit more, godliness, godliness is an inward responsiveness to God that gets expressed outwardly in how we live. It starts inside. Sometimes we get that backwards, don't we? We think that godliness is something that we do. That's true, but first of all, godliness is something that we are. 
something that God cultivates in us. It's, it's, it's our responsiveness to him. So what is within us flows out of us. And that's true whether it's godliness or something else. Now right here, I would pause to ask, what's coming out of you, friend? What's coming out of you? If you can take a step back and and be objective and evaluate your life, take inventory of your life, what does that look like? What, what is the product of the way that you live? And, and, and what does that say about the condition of your heart? What's, what's stored up inside of you? This is one reason why how we handle emotions is so incredibly vital. Because that can determine the course, the trajectory of our lives. Peter makes this connection too. He uses this language of desire. Now, the, the Greek word desire there speaks of, of a passion or strong feelings. And, and what you need to know about this word is it can be either good or bad depending on the context. The word itself is neutral. It, it depends on what the context is. Elsewhere, Jesus and Paul use the same language to talk about desires that are good. Desires that are healthy, that are beneficial. It's entirely possible for us to be passionate about the right things, church, and we should be. We should be. We should care deeply about those things. We'll come back to that in a minute. But right here, Peter is warning us of of another sort of desire. The wrong sort of desire, one that he calls evil. It's, it's, It's caustic, it's corrosive. It's destructive. And that leads into a second observation for us here. Don't let emotions drive. Do not let your emotions drive you, friend. We live in a world, we live in a culture where what we feel is often elevated to the highest standard of truth. Have you noticed this? What what is real and true, what is right and wrong, that's determined, that's decided by how I feel. I wonder if you've met anyone who fits that description. Please don't shout out any names. That'd be embarrassing for all of us. Or or maybe you would look at your own life and you'd say, yeah, that's me. That, That describes who I am. Whatever the inclination or the disposition of a given moment, that's who you are. That's what you do. That's what drives. And at that point, you're not in control anymore. Your emotions are. The problem with that approach is twofold. First of all, sometimes what we feel is not healthy or helpful. Can we just own that? Sometimes what you feel is not in your best interest. Okay, and doesn't experience bear this out? Like, I thought I wanted that until I got it. And it wasn't what I thought it would be. That didn't do for me what I thought that it was going to do. 
It's, it's like what Peter says here, that, that some desires, sometimes our wants lead to less than ideal places. Sometimes it leads to places of corruption, decay, destruction. You think that it will make you happy, and it only ends up hurting you. Church, can I tell you that too often our emotions are nearsighted? They see only the object of desire that is immediately in front of us. But they are blind to everything beyond that. Everything that comes with it. Second of all, another reason why we should not let our emotions drive what we feel is subjective and subject to change. It's, it's variable, it's inconsistent, which means that it's unreliable. The, the line is constantly moving because moods change. Isn't this true in your life? Give it five minutes. Give it, give it a day, give it a week, give it longer. Your mood will probably change. Friends, trust me when I tell you that moods are not the measure of morality. They never have been. Moods are not the measure of morality. Feelings are not facts. So can, can you see how unsteady, how unstable a foundation this is to base your decisions on, to build your life on? The point is this. We need a different standard. We need a different map. We need one that takes a long view, one that is consistent and constant. And that standard is measured and mapped out by who God is as revealed to us in the contents of Scripture. So Peter says our goal is living a godly life. How do we get there? He tells us that we have all that we need for that in what? Knowing God. It's, it's knowing God. It's, it's what he's told us, what he's revealed to us. So, so let's put the pieces together here. We have to evaluate and whenever necessary amend our emotions based on what God tells us is true. What, what does God think about this? What, what does God have to say about this? Those are questions that we should ask. Rather than being impulsive, driven by our emotions, we need to be Intentional. Notice Peter's language here. He says to make every effort to do this. That's the language of intention. You're, you're, not, you're not being driven by your emotions. You are choosing your decisions. You're choosing your path. Note also the language of self-control. Self-control, which is a fruit of the Spirit. If we're being led by the Spirit, we're going to have self-control. We're going to have mastery of self. We're going to have a restraint. And to say this differently, we need to get back in the driver's seat. And I think that's a word for some of us today. It's time for you to, to pull the license from emotion. It's time to take the license away. That has been driving you around for far too long. You need to get back in the driver's seat. Don't let it drive you. You drive it. Now that, that brings us to the next observation, which is this. Don't detach from emotions. So don't let emotions drive, but, but also don't detach from emotions. In the church, and, and, and when I say the church, I don't just mean us here in these four walls. I mean the universal church, everybody who follows Jesus. 
We have a bad habit of being reactionary. Now, now what do I mean by that? What do I mean it, it is this. In order to avoid something that is problematic or dangerous, we will go all the way to the other extreme. Some of you have apparently seen this in action. And this happens far too often. I don't want to get anywhere near this, so I'll go to the other side. We might compare this to driving a car. Right? You start veering off one way, you hit the rumble strips. Okay, I need to wake up. See the danger, so what do you do? Overcorrect. Right? And you end up in the opposite ditch which is just as bad. Church, can I tell you, we need to stay on the road. Jesus has given us a path. I am the way. Follow this. We can't go to either extreme. We need to stay on the road on this issue and every other issue. Truth is not found in reacting, friend. It's not found in reacting. It's found in revelation. So to the matter at hand, how, how does all of that apply? In efforts to avoid emotionalism, being driven by, ruled by emotions, what happens is, is that sometimes we go to the other extreme of demonizing emotions. Emotions are bad. No, they're not. Not as a category, not all of them. We, we can't detach from that. Some emotions are good and healthy and helpful. What does Peter tell us to cultivate? Affection. Love. In fact, he goes so far as to say that those things are essential if we're going to be effective in our faith. If we're going to live out what God wants us to live out, we need this. This is part of what it means to participate in the divine nature, to be like God. And that's a very important detail. I want to show you this. If we go all the way back to the start, Back to the creation narrative. Genesis chapter 1, what do we see there? As God creates, he pauses to evaluate. And God creates light and darkness. Pause. It's good. God reflects on his creation. He reflects on the world and he declares it good. There's, there's an interaction and a response. Okay, and when God says that it's good, the Hebrew language there is describing something that's pleasant or agreeable. Doesn't that sound a lot like emotion? This is pleasing. I like this. So what we see in God from the very beginning, and listen, this isn't a one-off. This happens throughout the whole narrative, the whole account of creation again and again. It's good. God sees what he made, and it's good. God is having an emotional response to the world. Fast forward to the creation of humanity. What does it say? We are made in God's image. We're made in his likeness, formed and fashioned to be like him. Now, I think that means a lot of different things. I think there's a lot of different ways that that reflection is expressed, but this is one, emotions. Reaction is part of reflection. 
Like God, we are wired so that what goes on around us affects what goes on inside of us. Yes, we live from the inside out. That's true, but that doesn't mean detaching. We see the same thing in Jesus. Jesus, who is both God and human, 100% both. Scripture says he lives a perfect life. He never deviated from God's designs, God's desires. And so in him is an example of how we are to live our lives at intersection with God. Now, what do we see in the Gospels? Time and again, Jesus feels deeply. Time and again, he's stirred, he's moved by something going on inside of him. Compassion? Love? Sadness, anger, amazement, frustration, apprehension. Jesus didn't detach, and neither can we, church. And as people, sometimes we're, we're prone to go to one of those two extremes. Some of you guys let emotions drive. Some of you guys detach. Either one's not the right way. So what is? What is? How do we stay on the road here? I think it's this. Emotions are a dashboard. What we see happening with God in the creation story, what we see happening in the life of Jesus, that gives us a template. That what we feel is a tool to engage with and interact with what surrounds us. That's true of the world as a whole. That's true of of our situations that we find ourselves in. That's true of relationships, the people in our orbit. That's true of God. This is one way that we engage and interact. To use an analogy, we might think of emotions like the gauges in a vehicle. Right, so, so you look at your dashboard, that gives you information about what's going on. Not only outside, but inside too. And as we sit in the driver's seat, we, we need to, to observe that, to pay attention to that, to use those readings to make informed decisions on what to do next. Am I going too fast? Better slow down. Is, is, is the tank getting empty? Am I feeling depleted? Am I feeling used up? Better fill up. Are, are things overheating? Am I getting too hot? Cool it down. Is the check engine light on? Is the whole thing lighting up like a Christmas tree? I need to check in with God. I need to figure out what's going on here. And and that's where I want to land this conversation today, that we need to bring God into it. So often, so often, we, we feel, but we never think to ask. We just, we just go straight from emotion to response. We need to bring God into it, church. He's the one who designed us. He's the, ones who, the one who programmed us with these emotions. They are a gift from him. They're intended to help us be like him. So, so my encouragement, my advice to you is this. Pay attention to what's going on in, in your mind and in your heart. Pay attention to that. And, and when you are overwhelmed, when you're confused by it, when you don't know what to do with it, as you process what you feel, go to the source. 
Go to the source. He understands it far better than we do. And he wants us to thrive, church. He wants us to be emotionally healthy. Don't handle all the fields all alone. Go to the source.